Hey guys, welcome to the Virtus Performance Podcast. Today I sat down with my good friend Nicholas Petrovic. Uh, Nick is a self-employed stockbroker, uh, so we delve deep into his world and what he does and, and I guess how it's perceived and, and what it actually is compared to how it's perceived. Uh, we talked about his range of health issues that he's had to deal with um, growing up and how that just kind of shaped him as a person and and given him, I guess, his uh, outlook on life that he has at the moment. Uh, we talked about travel. We talked about his uh, supercar, love for supercars, um, and, yeah, the importance of family and, and, and how his perception, people's perception changes things. And, yeah, it was a really, really enjoyable episode, so hopefully you guys get a lot out of it. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. Nicholas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Auckland. So you just had some news after nine months yeah. of something being created, growing yeah. yes. inside a, an organism. Yeah. You, are, you got a text and it's being delivered next week. It is. Um, and it's not a baby. Yeah, no. It's not. <laughs> In a very materialistic world, um, I've waited nine months for, for a special vehicle, um, which is coming from the UK, which has landed... In uh, Melbourne Airport, uh, or might be Essendon Airport, um, today, which is really cool. So I can't wait to enjoy that this summer. I haven't seen you this excited before. <laughs> I was jumping. Yeah, like a little kid, like a child. Uh, a few moments ago, jumping all over the Virtus coaches. <laughs> you say special. Um, <laughs> say special vehicle. Tell the uh, the lovely humans at home what it is. Oh, for I guess it, it, it has greater value for those who are, are enthusiasts, um, but it's. A special vehicle to me um, that I guess brings a lot of happiness and stuff um, is kind of like my natural drug and escape amongst work and um, other things going on in life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they look pretty special, very different, they stand out a lot and um, sometimes get a bit too much attention, but it's usually, I always think 50 50, good and bad. Yeah. So you get the positive attention. Oh, for sure. Um, especially one of the best parts is sharing it with people who are also interested. Um, and then you get the other 50%, which is negative, which you just sort of have to um, let it come past you. you. deal with it. Yeah, yeah, deal with it, let it come past you and then move on. That must be tough when you when you purchase something like a, what's, it, what's the uh, model? It's a McLaren 720S. Yes, which is, for those who have no idea, like mm. myself, it's a supercar that's very pretty and goes fast. Yeah, very pretty and goes fast. It's ridiculous in every manner of the word in in looks and costs and sounds, etc. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm extremely but fortunate. But it brings happiness. <clears throat> it does, yeah. Well, then... <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I've always, I've always been interested, as someone who's not a car guy, mm. why... Why spend so much money on a car? 
it seems preposterous, but it I is. see how much happiness you get from it, yeah, and how much enjoyment you get from it, and I guess the opportunities that it brings. Mm. And, and that's another part of the negative attention is people just can't fathom that you would spend so much when you could do so much with that um, amount of money, which is true. Um, but I sort of justify it to myself because I'm in a position where I'm not married, I don't have any children, and um, I know that I'm probably not going to be doing this forever. And while I can do it in this point of my life, I'm going to. That's fair. <laughs> so that's fair. How old are you now? 29. 29, cool. Just awesome. in 29. So, yeah. Um, Enjoy it while you can or yeah. while, you, while you want to. Yeah, that's While you right. don't have other things to, to focus on. No, yeah, it's um, definitely a great escapism. That's really what it's about. Yeah. Um, someone, I was having this late night discussion with someone who um, described my interest in it as being really basic and was trying to patronise me about it. <laughs> and um, they were comparing it to uh, taking illicit substances as um, being a basic alternative. And which really... Because it's definitely along the same line, <laughs> Exactly. Which really irked me because um, I think if you look at flexing, and you, this is something you can relate to, if you're flexing your kinetic intelligence to the absolute extreme, which you would have... Um, experienced as an elite athlete so you're trying to so you're trying to manage all your five senses yeah. and you're trying to manage your, your heart rate and your cortisol and your endorphins at the same time because you're enjoying what you're doing it's an enormously um, you know it's a huge experience yeah and when you're going 300 kilometers an hour trying to do it <laughs> on a track <laughs> on a track of course on a track <laughs> not on the street that would just be remarkably stupid um yeah it's it's a, a massive experience that um yeah pays off so. this is your second supercar yeah my yeah. second one after um, you had the other one for just under 12 months yeah yeah so i i had my first mclaren in um 2000 early 2016 so last year yeah that was like a, a huge huge event and um was a massive eye-opening experience what did and it teach you about people oh it, it again it sounds really stupid and a lot of people just can't get past the materialistic or the the external um nature of it but um i've met so many different people through something as basic as car ownership um i've met so many professionals mentors um not just successful people but people who have really deep insight and intelligence that I had no idea that I now people that I speak to every day yeah. simply through a common interest um, that have offered me so much from a business perspective um, yeah all sorts so it's quite fascinating really yeah what's it all you about yourself and like I guess working for something and being able to enjoy things at the same same time yeah um Definitely, definitely it is a, a bit of a big event, but it's, it's more about, for me, um, somewhat reckless in that in my past, especially the last, it probably since adulthood, I've had a lot of setbacks uh, health-wise. Yeah. Many, many of them that have taken away long periods of times where you're supposed to be enjoying yourself or traveling or, or socializing 
throughout my 20s and my late teens. So I almost feel like it's more, more justified in, yeah. in, in um, indulging in that because I've had so much time taken away from me yeah. uh, through a whole range of health issues where I should have been, you know, indulging with that time. So, yeah. yeah. Talk, me, talk me through those health issues and I guess the impact they had on you and what you learned from them and mm. how they've kind of shaped you as the wonderful human you are today. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm grateful for them and a lot of people would probably tell you this. Um, when you have had some hardship, I think it is really good for your character, which is a simple thing to say, but when um, you realise that health is just at the basis of it's a starting point to able to do anything else or experience anything else. You really need to have some level of health to do be able to yeah. do anything else. So when that's taken away from you and you have very little choice and you, you're potentially suffering or restricted, it gives you a lot more respect for um, empathy for other people that are going through the same thing. That's one thing I've definitely learned and understanding. And I share that now with some of my closer friends that are going through issues that I was, have in the past. Yeah. Um, and definitely um, makes you respect, you know, the, the, the smaller things and the greater things that when you enjoy them, you realize how lucky you are because you could still be in that hospital bed or you could still be not walking or, you know, you could still be, you know, having some horrible health issue, which is basically tying you to a room for months or even years in my case yeah um on end so yeah just make sure you appreciate more of course yeah and i guess perspective and enjoying yeah. mm. the good things like all the all the little things and yeah. having that gratitude day to day of just being is yeah. really really important mm. and something that like i i've been kind of with work and with everything going on i've been kind of fighting with that wanting more all the time mm. in the last probably two three four weeks like it's been something i've kind of working on without really thinking about it the last two three four weeks every morning i write down three things i'm um uh, grateful for mm. and i think just that makes you look at the day differently for and sure it's really really important yeah perspective is everything um to give you an example i remember uh waking up feeling pretty shit one morning um, with a number of my chronic health issues really getting me down as they do. Yeah. Um, the, the, the worst thing about chronic health issues is that obviously they're not going away, but they have a long-lasting um, psychological effect because deep down inside you wish that they're never going to be there, but they're always yeah. going to be there. And even when you're riding high and you feel fantastic, deep in the back of your you mind know, you know that it's going to come back yeah <laughs> you know that those those health issues are going to creep and pull you down yeah, again you know it's fleeting and you're that, eventually going to be that's feeling right. shitty I spent vast majority of my life feeling that way um, to give you a perspective in a lot of times in my life just wearing a t-shirt was an absolute um, an absolute privilege and like just to walk down the street in a t-shirt and for there to be warm weather and feel comfortable that way yeah. was, a, was a huge deal. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, being a person who's pretty much covered in dermatitis from birth, yeah. um, I've spent so much of my life not even being comfortable being able to wear a t-shirt 
as, as an example. Yeah, which is a crazy thing to fathom. Crazy like, thing to fathom, exactly. No one would think about. Yeah, so then when, when you feel the, the warm weather on your arms and you feel just perfectly comfortable in your own existence walking down the street, um, it gives you huge appreciation for the very, very basic things which people yeah. take for granted, as you're saying what things do you feel grateful for today? And they can be even as simple as that because you might not have had those simple things in the past. Yeah. So, and I think we, mm. if we were to lose those simple things, then you realize their value. It's, and it's the, yeah, the ability to, in the moment, be able to enjoy what you have. Um, it's really, really important. Mm. What, are the, what are the things that kind of got you through those times in the hospital bed and the, the tougher, tougher days? Um, a lot of it was kind of patience, I guess. Um, I can't say it was all like, I don't know how to put this. I can't say it was all my like toughness that got me through. A lot of it was a a little bit of it was, I guess, having a bit of, it sounds cringy, but having a little bit of hope. Yeah. Getting help from other people. Um, a lot of times when I was in a debilitating position um it just took time and these tiny little incremental steps day by day um I sort of worked my way out of a number of those holes and um I think seeing the horizon is the hardest thing to do really yeah that's that's the hardest thing to do um so yeah Uh, I can't say that I like question myself and you know faced my fears yeah and had that had that like uh, yeah of all had the that, shit had that one of, magnif- yeah, magnificent moment where you're just like I'm gonna be okay exactly just like a movie it wasn't I never when I had crawled my way out of shitty uh, health situations in the past yeah it had never been that flick of a switch or anything like that it's yeah. always been a very gradual crawl from the bottom um, back to some sort of normality and actually it was interesting when I first met you um, at Rebel Sport it was just when I was crawling out of one of those holes and yeah. getting that job actually as a as a geez I don't know how god knows how many years ago it was now uh, probably was it eight years ago something like that yeah it would have been almost ten years ago something almost like eleven that. years ago there when I started in ja- I started eleven years ago in Jad mm. So yeah. just getting that That's job, crazy, yeah. Just getting that job was a period where um, my immune system had somehow, without medical intervention, stabilized to the point where I could leave a, live a semi-normal existence and yeah. be happy. Yeah. And getting that job and meeting all you guys was, yeah, was one of those periods where I'd sort of climbed my way out. That's mm. really cool. How, how important was it being able to have that sense of normality for a while and kind of throw yourself back into those situations for your, I guess, mental fortitude and and happiness, for lack of a better term. Um, Or was it a a continual battle when you actually got out or felt... It was certainly easier. It's always a continual battle. Anyone will tell you as a chronic um, illnesses, will tell you it's a continual battle. Sometimes it's easier than other periods. Like for me, it's, it's harder when I'm stressed or harder when I'm you know when it's hot and there's lots of allergens and stuff um but yeah the the battle got easier essentially yeah and um sometimes I can't even really tell you why it got easier (laughs) yeah which which, that must be almost the most frustrating thing not knowing what variables are there's so many variables and yeah it's like a bunch of levers and you've got to 
push and pull of some of them and you don't know which ones actually make a difference yeah relating to diet and and your environment very much so it's hard to know sometimes why things are even going right or why things are going wrong yeah it's usually easier to know why things are going wrong um but yeah to get so many different factors that's right what's it what's it taught you i guess now like say 10 years down the track Mm. what's it taught you about looking after yourself and doing what's right for you rather than kind of following whatever fads out there at the current current yeah health wise i've never followed any fads um even when i was really sick i never like went on some crazy diets or i i restricted myself to certain foods but i never um went too crazy on 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 fads and and changing my intake or or what i was doing or um doing any sorts of crazy treatments i think when i was younger i tried my mom was so desperate to help me i tried kinesiology and even um i think when i was heavily sick and consistently having um uh, infections and staph infections and things like that um, I was. I went to a psychologist who was trying to teach me to, I guess, I guess, um, reach my subconsciousness and and disconnect from my uh, shit situation, yeah. which I found. I'm not super skeptical. I do believe in meditation, but I found really hard to get to that place yeah. <laughs> at the time because I was so unhappy and negative that I just, you know, yeah, I think I would have felt better just knocking a brick wall down with a sledgehammer rather than um, rather than meditating well, that might, at that point yeah. in my life now I'd probably rather meditate yeah and, but I think that's important to identify that like meditation is really important knocking a wall down with a sledgehammer is probably important sometimes but you've got to be understanding and aware of where you're at and what situation you're in because like mm. Like, like you said, I'm sure now you'd probably rather meditate. And I'm mm. sure there's times in my life where, like, if you told me to meditate, I would have told you to get fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah. you just want to kind of expel that energy or, or those frustrations out. Mm. Um, and you've got to kind of let yourself, like, you let your brain figure out how it wants to deal with something. Yeah. Because I think a lot of practitioners, a lot of individuals, like just general people try and kind of pigeonhole you into this is the one way to do it. This mm. is the one way to get better if you're struggling with this. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, it sucks, but you've got to figure it out for yourself, mm. which you've done to a point. Yeah. I think um, definitely into my adulthood, I, I do a lot of things my way, especially since um, my health issues and since having my major surgery a few years ago uh, on a, on a tumor. Um, that's sort of plays into working for myself um, and enjoying myself, doing a lot of travel and stuff, um, treating myself, as you would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that definitely came out of questioning what do I want to do? And that takes a long time. For some people, that takes even till they're 50 years old. Some people never get there. That's right. Then yeah. even um, I see my grandmother who recently passed away. She probably started thinking that way at 75 or, or even later. It's crazy. And um, accomplished an, an enormous amount in the last five years of her life, yeah. which sounds crazy, but she really did. Because she chased the things she wanted to do. Exactly yeah. right. And um, it's very independent and free. So... But I, I definitely found it talk, talks about talking you're talking about catalyst for change yeah. um, post tumor was one of the a big thing that made me purchase that stupid vehicle um, was because I just thought well 
I've been, it's not so much that I feel like I deserve it, but, yeah. you know, I could be in a wheelchair. I could be in a far worse position. Yeah. I could be, you know, a later stage. So when I um, crawl out of that hole, I decided that if I had the opportunity to really enjoy myself, then I was going to do so because, yeah. Well, I've always really <coughs> enjoyed the way you talk about your car. Because, <laughs> like, everyone looks like, wow, it's a supercar, it's a McLaren or whatever. Mm. And you're just like, it's just like it's a, just, a piece of metal with four wheels. It's just an enabler. Yeah. An enabler. So, you know, whether it, whatever you is your thing, um, and hopefully it doesn't, you know, cost you too much time and money, but yeah. whatever's your thing, whether it's, you know, playing football or, or trekking or whatever Heroin. it is. Yeah, all that. <laughs> that too. Um, yeah, whatever it is, you've got to yeah. chase it. Mm, for and sure, do it. for sure. I uh, see how far it can go. And then you hope that um, in the meantime, it could potentially, I mean, this is a, a well, a well uh, tread path that people talk about, but if you can turn it into some sort of monetary benefit, then that's yeah. like the end goal. Yeah, well, I think so many people kind of just sit in their in their job that they don't like or doing things they don't like because they're scared of it failing. Yeah. But the thing I've kind of learned over the last couple of years is if you find something you love doing and you chase it, mm-hmm. whether it makes you money or not initially, because you love doing it, you'll keep finding that next person to talk That's to right. and that next network to jump into or the next mm. opportunity. Uh, like I had mm. one of those days yesterday where uh, we had a couple of meetings up in the city and um, met a couple of people that we hadn't met before and mm. were kind of just beaming afterwards because so many different opportunities and ideas and things came out of meeting people that we'd never talked to before. Yeah. Um, but we'd only chase that because, like, I love the podcast side of things. I love talking to people. So we'd only really saw that out because I was doing something I enjoyed doing. Mm. And I think that's really awesome that you've been able to do that and you've been able to see that this is what I want to do and you just do it. So yeah. many people just chop it and stop it and don't actually chase yeah, it. Yeah, they, they stop themselves before um, they've even started, really. Why? Uh, fear is always, always the deciding factor. There, there's situations where, you know, it's not just fear, there's so many legitimate reasons, Yeah. whether it's uh, monetary or you've got a family that you need to support. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have four children, it's not going to be that it's a easy bit different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to have Definitely. you know a side business, which is not that easy. Possible, but not certainly not easy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think just telling yourself that you that no, nah, I can't do that, which yeah. we're all guilty of, and I'm guilty of all the time. Yeah. I restrict myself. Um, is where things can stop before they start. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What is your why? Why do you get out of the bed in the morning? <laughs> big question uh, uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning or in the afternoon depending on whether you've been reading later <laughs> keeps night. me up at four in the morning yeah. reading articles from the US and watching watching what analysts have to say at three, three <laughs> o'clock in the morning yeah. um, about what Facebook's latest earnings are or this morning I was listening to the American banks had their quarterly earnings update so that's what I was listening to it probably 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. this morning, um, which I think um, the great thing about 
that stuff which might sound so peculiar or mundane to other people is um, if, if there's something like that that's keeping you up at 2 a.m. and you really don't care yeah. and um, in between your workout you're looking at it and when you get home you're looking at it and even when you're tired you're still just reading articles that's that was the flick of the switch when I realized that oh I don't feel like I'm working yeah. that's when I realized I should be allocating capital and trading stocks rather than doing what I'm doing because it comes so easily yeah um, yeah that, that that was really the, the clincher for me um, if there's something that you do that you don't feel like you're working and again it's a basic concept but a lot of people don't capitalize on it well it is a bit of a cliche and it's a simple yeah thing to get your head around but mm. I think the reason why it's cliche is because it's so it ha- it's a thing like mm. it, it like cliches are cliches because they're things that a lot of people have identified yeah the same issues with and mm. I think yeah people go oh no that's bullshit well it's it's not if you yeah. actually follow it and chase it and mm. things like that but I don't think you a lot and a lot of, like we have a lot of kids come through our internship program and stuff like that and they just yeah. have no idea what they want to do yeah cool go experience stuff like exactly like I figured out what I wanted to do by doing things that I didn't enjoy that's right and that just kind of pushes you funnels you in yeah which is really important yeah tell me about what did you study at uni what job did you get into yeah and what do you do now uh, big question yeah they're um like many people of our generation, um, very different from start to finish. Yeah. So I, I finished school. I was very interested in social studies. Um, thought that I wanted to become a teacher like my mother. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> finished uh, a major in uh, sociology at Monash and um, essentially didn't know what I wanted to do like many people. Yep. And through uh, a family, I got an offer to do just a very basic job at a finance company. And I thought, well, while I'm thinking about whether I want to do a postgrad in teaching or a postgrad in something, at least yep. I want to save some money, do some travel, um, get some experience of actually life life, and what, what working is like and, and get to know what working in a big corporation is like. Um, I stayed there for five years. I really enjoyed vast majority of my time and grew exponentially, particularly in eventually after a couple of years getting to manage teams. Yeah, that was a huge learning curve, and I think a, a huge character building exercise is managing yeah. people. And that's something that I think is just absolutely profound and endless in the way that you can approach it and yeah. uh, build your yourself through managing people, and it's just endless challenges and benefits and um, brilliant things that come out of managing a team that's my biggest challenge at the moment is just managing everyone and making sure that everyone's moving forward and following my the things that I want them to do but also ticking the boxes that they want to do oh yeah I I really enjoyed my time in in general electric finance which doesn't really exist anymore Um, one of the things that I enjoyed the most was most of my staff were all uni students so they were doing pretty basic um, account actioning and um, call center type roles. Yeah. And to see them sort of finish uni and then move on to these other roles that related to their degree, was yeah. that was the most rewarding thing that I found. And that, I really, really enjoyed that for a few years, particularly seeing them grow as, uh, as people um, and then move on to that role that they really wanted, yeah. which was huge. Um, over time, 
somewhere in between that five years, um, I developed this interest through wanting to invest some money that I had uh, in stocks. I can't exactly tell you how that interest began, (laughs) Um, but I think it comes from also with the sociology degree, people say that essentially with an arts degree, you'll get a job at Macca's, (laughs) which really is true in a way. Um, if you don't use it correctly, if you don't do a postgrad or then try and build upon that. But I truly believe, even though you might, a lot of people think they're not related, the personal development and particularly the analytical skills that I gain through an arts degree has helped me enormously in trading and investing. Yeah, that's a good way to look at Um, it. Massively. Because a lot of the way that I invest and, and trade and my work is is looking at a so from a sociological point of view what are people doing where are they going what are they buying what do they want what do they want yeah uh, where are they migrating to um what demographics are showing what sorts of behaviors and i've been fascinated with this stuff since i was about 16 years old and so um yeah in the last i'd say over the last six years i've applied all those that thought pattern and into my work that I do now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I just absolutely love it. I have a, a real passion for just analysing businesses through the scope of how they interact with, with people. Um, What's it like working for yourself now rather than working with a big corporation or a big company and, hmm. and above a bunch of people managing yeah. So come February. Yeah, you're in charge. <laughs> come February, I'll be self-employed for self-employed with um, uh, quotations uh, for two years, which is um, pretty daunting. Huge. Daunting, and um, even um, you know, one of the things is a person who trades and who, as an investor, a lot of people will look to patronise you and say oh, you don't really have a job, you know, you're just allocating capital. Even that, that's one of the things that's been a challenge, especially lately, um, that people just will discredit you for not being in that box or or not having a business. Well, I have a a business, but it's an employee of one and director of one. Um, (coughs) Which seems incredibly enticing at some time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. you, so, you only have yourself to be annoyed at if you don't right. get the results. That, that's right. And sometimes that, that's a good thing. Like I get angry. You know, you have to be very much um, questioning yourself consistently, really questioning yourself, which yeah. can be uh, emotionally difficult. So, yeah. But it's good. Well, that's self-reflection, I guess, <clears throat> for the bulk of the general population doesn't happen or doesn't happen very well. That's right. And you see so many people... And I've, I've worked in offices for a number of years to know, and I see the same patterns over and over and over and over in yeah. people who work in large corporations and offices. Um, they will spend 50% of their time post that day complaining about everyone else other than themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that comes through managing probably over my time, you know, 100, 100 plus people. Um, everyone is near constantly blaming everyone else about their lack of skills, knowledge, and not actually questioning themselves. Yeah. And questioning, do I know enough? Am I good enough at my job, et cetera, et cetera. Now, 
most people who don't do that, the buck doesn't actually stop because they're in this sort of machine, this augmented machine, which rarely makes them question themselves. Um, You know, there's results and reporting and stuff for performance, but really a lot of people are so easy to complain. Yeah, they can hide behind... Other, other things and exactly. just kind of handball something like throw someone else under the bus exactly right it's always easy to handball it's always easy to play politics yeah. when um, when I screw up with a trade when I make the wrong call I've got no one else to blame yeah. um, and that's why I was, we were just talking and having lunch before when I screw up I, I sort of get over it pretty quickly because have to. I have to yeah. I can't dwell on it and complain about it for too long because things are continuing on and I need to uh, you know, learn from that mistake yeah. um, and move on and uh, change my, my thought process or, or find the next idea. So, you know, I, I don't do what I think is great about being self-employed is I don't do a lot of venting. Um, yeah. I've had, I've had uh, partners and um, housemates in the past where they spend the first half hour um, after every single day venting about how their boss is an asshole, their co-workers are assholes, blah, 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 but they do very little self-reflection about the number one thing is what can they do about this? Yeah. They, they don't want to get to that point. Yeah. They just want to complain. Because it feels good. Because <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> it does, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and then tomorrow they'll do the same thing. They'll yeah. um, go repeat, back to and repeat, repeat, repeat. And, repeat. <laughs> and then three years down the track, they'll complain that they didn't have career progression and they're not happy in their job. And, yeah, the only and nothing's person, changed. Yeah. The only person to blame is themselves. I think really. that's, that's so important when people start to understand that. Like, um, Have you read Jocko Willink's book on ownership? I've seen you post about it. I've posted about it a I've bunch of times. I've watched a few of his because, yeah. That guy's so full on. <laughs> He's way too full on to listen to all the time. But, <laughs> yeah. but really, like simply, if we put it, in a you know like a paragraph everything that happens to you everything you do everything that the way people react to the things you do is it comes back to ownership like that's right on you and mm. that ability to understand that yeah changes everything because you know if my staff don't clean up after themselves after a session then yeah. I've got to look at well what am I doing that's not allowing them to do that or not causing them to feel the need to do that so I've got to change the way I manage it mm. if I get home and KP is shitty at me. All right, what have I done? <laughs> like, yeah. what 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 have I done, or what can I do to to make it a better environment so that that doesn't happen? And mm. I think that mindset shift from uh, all these bad things or all these things that I don't like happen to me to all these things happen because of me. That's right. Changes everything, and yeah. I think like both self-employed for the kind of the same amount of time. Mm. Um, you you learn that pretty quick because otherwise you're cooked. Yeah. Um, and even a lot of people who own businesses, they fall into the trap of thinking that staff are all shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just think that all their staff members are shit and I keep having high turnover because it's their fault. Um, yeah. And they don't look deeper than that. And they think that all their problems are caused by their staff. Yeah. Um, but there are just so many levels to, uh, you know, we could go through them, but obviously they don't all just... A lot of them start with the, the employer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously you've got lots of individuals who you know they don't work hard they don't care about the have any put any value on the um, business that they work for yeah but ultimately it's it's up to that employer to find people yeah and motivate well recruitment's important and like and we've had like people in the past that like amazing people just didn't fit yeah um and and moved on and Mm. and i guess 
being able to learn from that those not necessarily mistakes but those uh, experiences yeah. and being able to apply it next mm. allows you to keep growing allows you to keep improving and like I'm sure your all with all your trades that you make yeah learning from the past ones is incredibly important but it's kind of that quote which is um, look back at the past but don't stop and stare so yeah so it allows you to move forward definitely definitely and then the thing that it which is, which is a real Rubik's Cube for my my job is some of those lessons that I learned from the past actually change again and become the right thing yeah so someone can be doing extremely well with a particular strategy for six months a year two or even three years um, and the game changes and then those all, all those sorts of industries and businesses that they're looking at a, a story for example um, whether it's Bitcoin or whether it's Tesla uh, and the proliferation of um, lithium using batteries, that story will end and there'll be a new story. And then just because you've done yeah. so well on that, you know, you have to change your, your strategy and thinking. So that's what really intrigues me about this game. And I find it so interesting because yeah. every morning I wake up, the world changes and I can... you got to adapt to that. Uh, you have to adapt, exactly. And I can find information at every corner of the globe. And that's why my job's so interesting, I think, in 2017... Whereas if it was 1985, it'd be really no. It would yeah, be one, interesting. One or two sources of information, and that's it. That's right. Yeah. Um, there's almost the other problem is there's a real overload of information with very little worth. Yeah. Um, but it still gets gets me up and Eddie, keeps Eddie. me up at night, and I find it really fascinating because things change so quickly yeah. today. How do you differentiate between all the different? I guess. Noise. cannibals of data coming in at you from every website yeah. and every everything um, like do you have ones that you trust more than others or do you just kind of follow your that's, that's why there's um, I guess certain traders and fund managers stick to really strict profiles of um, data as to when a, a business will pass their their criteria yeah. um, for them to say yes or no um, but again I'm trying to think of a, a good quote um, you know, there, there can be a hundred reasons f- for yes, and if there's one reason for no, you'll say no, or yeah. vice versa. So sometimes those rules apply too. So that's why it can be a really difficult game because data is so. We're talking about this over lunch. Data is so easily skewed, and it can say yeah. it can say really whatever you want it to say. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you pick, it very much depends on span of time. So if you say that um, I would rather buy a chunk of gold and hold it for 10 years, you can show uh, 50 graphs as to how <laughs> gold is <laughs> how a better investment yeah. than stocks over yeah. these different periods. It's very easy to do. You just yeah. choose the right spans of time that you want. Yeah. And this is the same as, you know, this is how companies in whatever time would say that smoking is not bad for you. You just take that data. Tweak it, you tweak can it a tweak bit. it. Yeah. It's the same with gun control. It's the same with fluoride in the water. It's the same with God knows how many other things. Yeah. You can skew graphs and data and research with, you know, if you want to if you want to make a certain bit of data, then you can pick five hundred people and um, yeah. skew it. So. Yeah. Well, that makes my makes, makes my life <laughs> that makes my life really really hard. Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah. Sometimes you have, uh, I always have a, a mixture of. Um, fundamentals so when I'm looking at something I look at the fundamentals um, and I look at a bit of um, obviously lots of statistical evidence um, and sometimes I do also look at at um, graph work so 
some some people, some traders, yeah. barely look at what a, a company is or what their people do yeah. or what they sell. They purely look at the numbers of... And you look really deep into what a company is doing. I do. Yeah. And so I'm what, what people would call a fundamental investor. So I look at the fundamentals of a business... Um, and then make a decision upon that. Some people who are day traders yep. purely looking at numbers all day and they make money purely based on uh, whether they see the right inputs uh, in their models and then sell and buy based on those numbers. And yep. that's not what I like to do because my skills are really not um, you know, attuned to that sort of trading. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got to follow the way you do it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Do you, um, and some people are remarkably successful in doing the latter, yeah. which I was talking about. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who do really well with trading currencies and CFDs and all sorts of things. Um, you know, or even now cryptocurrencies. Um, but that's really not my game. It doesn't interest me um, speculating on things or you know building models that doesn't really excite me but I can see why it would excite other yeah. people can you summarise Bitcoin for the uh, general oh, population who has no fucking clue <laughs> it's, it's such a funny topic um, it, it's one of these things that I've been um, I, I played two sides it, it's obviously this, this huge phenomenon which the market's known about for a long time. The technology the market's known about for a long time. It's yeah. scared a lot of businesses, a lot of large businesses, which, for example, Bitcoin, and, and I won't go into much detail, nor would I claim to know anything about <laughs> yeah. it. When, when you and I make transactions, a lot of the time you need a third party like a bank, a reserve bank, or PayPal or whatever it is to confirm that transaction. Bitcoin is essentially getting rid of that third party which reduces cost yeah and it's also um detailed and remarkably efficient um technology so you can have secure payments between two parties without having to pay you know even though it's a small amount pay for use of the service so the technology is brilliant yeah and i think much like it, it feels like this, and, and I don't mean to copy lots of other people's thoughts on it, but it does feel like 1998-1999. People are making tons of money on this new thing, and they're making lots of money. They're getting super excited, and they're becoming a bit arrogant about it and telling you, I've made five times my money this year, yeah. and you know these people, these people who've been around for 40 years and you know, seasoned billionaires don't know what they're talking about because I've made 500 times and I'm 24 yeah. years old and um, I'm going to tell you where it's going to go next and all this sort of stuff, um, which I think is um, a bit frightening, really. Um, so, again, I'm all for the technology, but speculating and I get a bit worried when... I'll go back to what I was saying. So, 98, 99, everyone knew, pretty much knew that the internet was going to change the world. Yeah. We all knew that it was going to have this enormous impact, the internet, and it was going to be used everywhere. Everyone can use it. it the, the, um, you know, it was limitless. But who was going to make money from it? Yeah. That's where it gets really difficult. So in the frenzy, people were buying any possible company with a dot-com on the end of it. Yeah. So I just listened to Elon Musk's book and they went through like that, exactly. that period of time. Absolute 
mayhem. Yeah. So people were putting in, they were taking out loans. Like you hear a story about people selling their houses and buying Bitcoin. Yeah. Again, they might do extremely well, but I'm just giving you a scope yeah. for this. Um, people were putting in every bit of possible dollar they had into every website. And then once the, the buck stopped in about the year 2000, year 2001, yeah. um, we realized that, oh, actually these websites... They're getting thousands and millions of hits, but they're not actually making any money or any profit or actually providing any value or service. Yeah. People are just checking these websites and, and clicking off. With their life. Yeah. And that, that problem went all the way up to probably 2014 that a lot of websites have only now worked out like Google, what they people call Fang, which is Facebook, Amazon, um, Netflix, and Alphabet or Google. Yeah have worked out how to really, and I'm talking really, monetize yeah. uh, these websites. And that's taken 14 years later. Uh, so, so many of those companies went broke. Obviously, the technology was right, but there's there's a real feel about Bitcoin yeah. as to that point of time. But there's the technology and then it's the ability to utilize it yes. the how, right way. That's right. Um, so, and, and when I hear these people who have this fundamental belief that's one thing that I always worry about because they're locked into this this will work this has to work it has to work I I have a real fear um, of anyone telling you buy this whatever it is property it's going to be doubling in seven years yeah it's going to double in 10 years it's going to be at this price yeah how do you um, yeah they, they, they might they be correct they can't know that's like right there's, it's, it's always going to be a that's gamble right. that's right they might be correct and, I, and not that I'm completely adverse to risk but I'm no fundamentalist yeah. and um, I don't believe in any investment I'll never advise anyone hey Lockie put your savings in this <laughs> stock I guarantee yeah. it's a sure thing I would yeah. never ever say that and I've learned that through many mentors over the years and many uh, people who are the, the, the most monetarily success, successful people on earth don't talk like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, before I started even making my first trade, I really did a lot of self-education. Yeah. And, you know, if, you're, if you want to be a brilliant footballer, you're going to watch the greats. You're going to talk Correct. to the best coaches. Yeah. You're going to see how the successful people... Uh, train and how they how they prepare and how they work as a team so um, one of the first things I did was really study the GFC and study how that came about and what was happening before and after it Um, and studying people who are consistently successful over long periods of time because that's this is a game where so many people don't last long yeah Um, so to give you a very general statistic, but for the people who trade short term, so they're buying and selling stocks and buying and selling currencies and stuff, um, statistics have come out in numerous different forms that around 80 to 90% of them don't make money. Really? That's right. All right. So, <laughs> so this is why, and, and you know, my grandparents and, and, and even my parents and, and many people will tell you, buy property, don't buy stocks. Yeah. It's just gambling, right? Yeah. Um, I can sit here and talk about however many ways that that's not the case because there are so many ways that um, it isn't true. Yeah. Uh, if done in certain, you know, if, if invested in the correct way and in for yeah. the long, the, the keywords are for the long term. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like to keep a, a basic approach in terms of, um, yeah, just keeping a balanced approach. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's that's important because I think the reason why you're being successful and you're no doubt will continue to be successful is because you've you followed it because you like doing it and it's a passion. Yeah. How, like I'm sure you probably get heaps of people come up to you and be like, teach me how to trade. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And this is um, this comes up a lot. I just realised I just rambled on for about ten minutes before. Yeah, this is um, good. But for some reason, um, when when you say to someone, oh, I trade stocks. What, what, I, is that I, what you say when someone says, what do you do? I, I generally say I'm a day trader because they sort of know what I do, even though I'm not really a day trader. I'm more of a long-term holder of stocks. Yeah. Um, the, a lot of people will message me and God knows how many have told me, well, if I just give you money, <laughs> can you just make money? Like yeah. it's some easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it's like, if, if I could do that, I certainly wouldn't be in the position I am now. <laughs> I would be in God knows where I would be. Hopefully still alive. Um, <laughs> um, it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, I was reading an article recently about a, a well-known uh, journalist in Australia, uh, Marcus Padley, and he was saying um, not many people... Now, he, he gives this analogy, which I think is a bit too far, but he says if, if you sat down... A dinner with a brain surgeon, you wouldn't say, "Oh, so how do you how do you uh, saw into a person's head and that's take out that tumor?" Analogy, yeah, right. Like so that. that's that's the analogy he gives. I guess because he's put in decades of hard work, study, yeah. uh, and has proven results. So he sees himself as sort of that level. I wouldn't so much say a brain surgeon, but you know, any any professional for some reason yeah. there's this thing while it's seen as really easy and it's seen as just it's, well it's because you don't necessarily need to go to uni for five years to do it no, that's you, right. you can just that's exactly right because anyone can just open an account and press buy or yeah. sell anyone can do it um, so yeah, I've pressed buy three times this morning that's exactly right that's exactly <laughs> you right you shoved your phone up well, you press this button so I'm not responsible <laughs> that's right yeah so of course any, uh, anyone's, um, anyone can do it and anyone can claim to do, they it. do it yeah. and that's the thing that I think I worry about so many people and that's the thing that goes down to there's just too much financial illiteracy and all of pretty much my knowledge has come from self-education and I went to a school which was full of blue blood kids that were you know going to become accountants and and, um, solicitors and that sort of thing Um, and I didn't really get barely any and pretty much everyone can probably relate to this in Australia we just don't have enough financial literacy um, taught in schools like mate (laughs) when I first when we bought our house I was like how does this work? I don't know how this works. How does interest work? I still probably don't What happens with my repayments? Um, How much principal and interest do I pay? Basic stuff that kids should know at 12 years old um, that isn't taught. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And I hate to be that person bashing on schools because I love my time at school, but that was just such an obvious thing that I shouldn't have to go and and learn myself. I think we're still stuck in that, like, here's information, like the basic... We need to know... Yeah, we're in the... 1950s where we need to know you know what photosynthesis is yeah we need to know how to use basic trigonometry like how, how words work yeah. and, and science and that's yeah. it when, when people bash on algebra and stuff I still think that's perfectly fine I think every every kid should learn a little bit of um, algebra and, and trigonometry but at the same time you need to have more practical yeah. uh, information it's just like um, going to the gym now uh, we used to go to the gym and mostly you know, only 15 20 years ago and just lift weights yeah. and push out or just hit machines, machines and, hit and machines run on a, tre- a, yeah. a treadmill and now you're seeing the practical level come through 
And um, I've had huge benefit from working with you guys because the stuff is practical. We're lifting things, we're moving things, we're really focusing on tailoring your workout to your injuries well, and your yeah. body. Everything's based on what you've done, but also how you feel when you're walking that day. Like you'll have yeah. some days where you're like bouncing. Exactly. And you're up and about and some days where you're like crawling mm. with three coffees. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. After not sleeping, you've been training all night. <laughs> That's right. And I, like, I've got to, as a coach, manipulate the session to, mm. to work for you on that day. And I think, yeah. I think we're getting there. It's definitely not there yet, but mm. Like you said, everyone thinks they can be an expert on things that are readily available. Like yeah. training is one of them, and it's something that frustrates me. Like Perfect people example. go, "Oh, can you write me a program?" Like, like things like that, or people think they can just go and train themselves, which yeah. they, they can to a point. Mm. Um, like you can go trade stocks to a point. Like you exactly. can you can open an account and things like that. Yeah. You can start moving, but if you want to get the best result, whether it's surgery or stocks or training. Mm enlist someone who knows what they're doing who has spent their last 10 years studying it exactly right um, if there was any advice I could give is that and so many people much like they ask you for advice on their physical status and what they should be training hmm. that's a long conversation to have oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a really yeah, long conversation you, to yeah. have and, um, and, and definitely when with, with what the work that I do is it's often how long is a piece of string because there's, there's not a hundred but a thousand ways to skin a cat yeah. um, in, in making a living from this thing and um, you know there's, there's geniuses which make a living from having a thousand or ten thousand um, dollars and there's so many different ways to do it levels of risk and for me it's all about how old you are if you, if you see a financial advisor they'll ask or they'll see you know what is your scope of time Essentially, where yeah. are you in your career? Are you yeah. 25 and just starting work? Are you 60 and wanting to retire as soon as possible? Yeah. Um, how much actual extra money do you have to invest? Um, so there's so many variables. But unfortunately, much like people ask you to have a program to work out and what should I do? Yeah, I get, I get that. What should I do at the gym? Yeah, what should I do at the uh, gym? Good, I mean, good question. <laughs> For hire a coach. Exactly. Or if, if you're not going to hire a coach, spend the next six to... 12 months heavily researching all the different ways you can train and yeah. then spend the next 10, 15 years practicing on yourself. By then you'll have a, a decent-ish idea of how your body responds to exercise and, yeah. and health and food and all these kind of things. I think yeah. that's why it's so important to, one, understand the scope of all these different uh, professionals, whether it be a solicitor or an accountant or a trader or mm. a chef like whatever understand all the different scopes but then know which ones to go to when that's right because then you seek out the issues you've got you seek it out to the person that can help you that's right like my bookkeeper and my accountant Tingy who you know very well mm -hmm. both yeah like, we should I, get Tingy on the podcast actually that would be good you <laughs> were just talking about Nando's and not spending money <laughs> just just things that aren't very interesting but he could be talking about interesting things yeah he's got a lot of interesting things he does um, but it's that it's that like I need to educate myself on, well, is this problem one for my accountant or one for my bookkeeper? Yeah. And it's the same as I've got a sore knee. Do I go see a myo or do I see a coach or do I go physio, see a physio? Yeah. And yeah, I think when that – I was talking to one of the boys yesterday and I was saying that I think there should be a what – what were we talking about? Well, listen to Dr. Carl. Mm. Um, Dr. Carl, shout out. Great, great man. Um, and we're listening to him and he was saying that I'll go see a GP if – like that's his kind of answer to most health questions. And Coop, who I was driving up the city with, goes, 
what do you think about him sending everyone to a GP? Yeah. And I was like, well, I think it's the only real way to do it because you can't tell what person. Yeah, it's a starting point. Yeah. But a GP has a very broad knowledge on a lot of different things. Mm. Um, but their job should almost be as a contact point to refer out to different people. Yes. So we should almost have a... a a, a job title that is a professional referrer <laughs> understands yeah, yeah. what everyone does mm. and then refers out to those people yeah. because then people don't get lost at seeing a chiropractor when they need strength training or seeing a financial advisor when they need a yeah I don't know yeah exactly uh, yeah. so I don't know that's, that's something that's really really interesting and I, I kind of you'll come in and vent someday to people asking you stupid questions oh and stuff. for sure for sure um just because they don't understand. They don't yeah. know any better. Not just uh, stupid questions, but there's, there's so much um, expectation that you, people are just going to fix things for you and you yeah. know what to do. Um, and then if, if they're – whatever profession they've got, if you ask them a similar question, yeah. they would probably get angry – not angry, but, you know, frustrated as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to try and link it back to what yeah. that person does. One, one of my mm. friends is studying uh, – um, to be a dental assistant. She yeah. was like, can you write me a program? I'm like, I gave her my little spiel, which is I don't write programs unless you've been training with me a certain amount of time and mm. you understand. And she's like, oh, so it's like telling all of my patients to make sure they brush their, brush their teeth Pretty three much. times a day. Pretty I much. can tell them all of it, but they're not going to do it and they're not going to do it right. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that is a perfect yeah. analogy. Because, yeah. you know, I can tell you that it's really, really important to drink a shitload of water and to brush teeth, but if you don't do it, I can't make you do it. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to do what you feel is always the way to go. So, And the thing is, I find a lot of people around my age now getting into the mid to late 20s to early 30s, they've got this, they've got a, a greater wage now. They've got bigger, uh, bigger dreams about starting a business or, or trying to build their business or trying to invest more money and they have more scope and the time to uh, do it and they want to just get me to just tell them what to do. And yeah, everyone wants the answer. Wants the answer. Wants the and I fix. say, well, I'd suggest reading this person and read that person and go see a financial advisor. Oh, what? I've got to put in effort and exactly. time. And they go, <laughs> and money. oh, I have to see a financial advisor and I have to read this and I have to read books. And I, I thought you'd tell me the secret, I Nick. thought you'd just tell me how to make millions of dollars out of nothing. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't work that way in, in anything. Life doesn't but, work, yeah. But particularly, no particularly with, with that stuff. And, it, and it's, it's, it's really crap and it comes back to the education thing that people at 30 years old are thinking, oh, how does money work? <laughs> like, oh, I've got, I wanna, yeah. I've got, I've, I've got a child on the way. I <laughs> yeah. really want to build a future for them. I actually have zero knowledge. Yeah. Besides, okay, I shouldn't spend too much. I shouldn't spend more than I yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Income, have. Incoming should be more than outgoing. Exactly. Okay, I understand that. Besides that, and the other thing that too many Aussies have now, which there's this big change uh, especially with our generation, a big change in thought process. Our grandparents and parents um, have this very Australian idea of, okay, so when you've got some money, you build up a deposit and then you buy a house and then yeah. you pay that house off and then you buy a unit and then you, you um, get that unit and then you pay that off and then you buy another house in an outer suburb and then you become like the six million other Australians as a property <laughs> developer yeah. and you, you buy a house with a bit of a backyard and then you have to put units on the back of that. That's not much of a plan. Yeah. It's a plan because Australia's had 26 it's a, it's years. It's a long-term risk, of, like <laughs> fairly risk-averse, kind of very tick the boxes, boring. Basic. Well, not just boring, but it's, it's, it's short-sightedness in some respects. Um, but it's, it's based on 
I hate to say a cliche, but it's based on being in a very lucky situation where we've got this huge population increase, which has not slowed down and has been brilliant for people. Um, And we're in this tiny population for a huge country. So if you're buying property, it's been the answer for for probably the last three generations of Aussies. Um, But now I've got a lot of my friends saying, okay, so I need 60K just to get in and then I'll be... Um, you know, financially hindered a fair bit after that point, what else can I do? And I think more and more people are going to start to do this. Uh, And the great thing is that you've got the internet and the wealth of information Mm. and far more choices, obviously some are riskier than others, um, to invest your money elsewhere. Now, I have no... um, I'm no person who says to put all your money in one certain thing. In terms of brushing your teeth every day, uh, in terms of that analogy, a lot of fund managers will tell you to put 30% of your money in um, cash, gold, or in, in these days, I guess you could put some in, in cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin, yep. if you choose. I'm not saying I recommend that, but um, yeah, bonds, cash, and that. Uh, 30% in uh, stocks or ETFs and 30% in property. I think if you keep that, if you're able to do that, I think that's uh, a good split. It gives you some diversification. It gives you some diversification. And um, if you choose wisely and educate yourself, um, you can do pretty pretty well. What percentage of my current financial... Portfolio should I put into supercars? Because <laughs> I reckon I could get a nice like line of hot wheel cars to, <laughs> to sit on I'm, my desk. <laughs> but yeah, I'm no, I'm no good parent in that case. I would say do um, as I say, not do what as, I do. Exactly right. Do as I say, not as I that do. That is generally the worst saying ever. I hate it. <laughs> it so is, much. it is the worst yeah. saying, but it rings but true. It's, it's really true. <laughs> but that's okay. Cliche is a cliche. Because I will never, thing. ever, ever recommend anyone allocate as much capital of my total wealth into cars as I would. I would never suggest that to a single soul on earth for you. Anyway. That's very good. Uh, one more week. Yeah, one more week. Um, yeah, very excited. It's uh, black. It's got some uh, orange highlights. It's going to look like a rolling spaceship. And um, be taking it to Phillip Island late November. Awesome. Which will be awesome. So you'll be reaching the Phillip Island Strait. I hit about 275 or about 270 kilometers per hour along the strait in my last car, which was particularly interesting because along the strait in Phillip Island, you have this very long strait which passes the finish line and then you come over a crest and you come into turn one. And then there's a, I probably told you this before, but there's a a side breeze that comes across at times over this first angle so you're slamming on the brakes or at least pushing hard on the brakes while the car is shimmying oh. at about 270 yeah. to, to oh, I can't remember what what speed you take that first corner um, but this next one I'm thinking I'll be hitting 290 to 300 k's per hour so which is unfathomable <laughs> for most of us <laughs> it's going to be interesting for an absolutely useless driver as myself <laughs> as well uh yeah, you got to go next year when you're doing that. Yeah, so yeah. you have a go next year when you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. you've always got a professional driver. And I, I, at my absolute basic amateurish self, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm happy to have a professional um, 
co-driver with me at all yeah. times giving uh, professional advice. Maybe yeah. in the future I'll eventually get to the point where I'm, uh, you know, a bit more confident and have a bit more skill. But uh, at this point, yeah, happy to have a an instructor. Yeah, awesome. It's <laughs> super exciting. Super exciting. Mm. Um, uh, Tweet, tweet the conversation a little bit. Yeah, sorry. Don't what are you apologizing for, mate. It's your podcast. We talk about whatever you want to. Talk to me about your childhood, growing up, going to primary school, high school. Obviously, oh, dealing with exciting. dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, hmm, health wise, I, I, I grew up down here. I grew up on the peninsula. Um, I could not wait to get out of the peninsula. Uh, and then it took me uh, a fair amount of time to get out of here because of, again, health reasons. Yeah. And just generally it took a while to move out. But, um, yeah, went to Manalaza Primary School, which I thought was, con- like, comparatively a really good school. Went to Haleybury College, which I also really enjoyed. Um, throughout my childhood, had lots of health issues. I was born with a cataract in each eye, which I'm still dealing with now. Was born with um, severe asthma, which I was hospitalised a couple of times. Um, was born with <laughs> severe debilitating uh, dermatitis, which I've managed on and off all my life. Which has gone through stages of being fine to yeah. absolutely life controlling, uh, which was again, as I said, really character building. Um, and then a few years ago had uh, a seven centimeter by four centimeter tumor in my femoral head or the, the yeah. top of my leg bone i guess big leg pretty, bone yeah big leg bone next to your hip which, yeah which pretty much took up all of my hip which was um a big ordeal you, if you look at your leg and for those listening get seven centimeters by four centimeters it's, and put it there that's a big it's huge it's, a big, it's like a big tumor. avocado sized thing in my yeah. bone yeah. so that was um uh, a big deal. I essentially thought I was going to die. Um, yeah. I was even more, how can I put it, affected by it because I had spent so much of my time taken away from, I didn't get to socialize much in university. I didn't get to make friends. I didn't get to travel for a good five plus years. Yeah. From 18 to probably 23 was non-existence. Socially, psychologically, it was a shit time. Yeah. So... Um, this is why sometimes, uh, you know, I, I have two passions and one is traveling and the other one is, um, uh, obviously trading and analyzing businesses. And I'm, I'm really happy that I get to do those two now Yeah. and they, they feel so much better because I've had these, like, I call them like blackout years where I was essentially yeah. a hermit, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. I was like, essentially to know you now and to think, I know like, exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, high school, I enjoyed my years, but post-high school, I got extremely sick, yeah. extremely sick, and um, basically spent my time uh, with, uh, you know, lots of staph infections um, and just uh, went on very, the strongest possible drugs you could go on for immunosuppressants, yeah. which actually made things worse. And I hit the age of maybe 23 when I came out of, came out of slowly, um, being extremely sick, and that was... a the same period when I'd weaned myself off all the drugs. So I wasn't taking um, steroids anymore. I wasn't taking immunosuppressants. And my system somewhat stabilized. Yeah, somewhat, <laughs> so yeah. So I don't know if that was my 
body maturing, my immune system maturing, or yeah. finish because they say that you sort of finish puberty at twenty one, depending on the person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your full maturity. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting for my growth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> um, uh, or what? The, or whether it was the drugs were actually making it worse. Yeah. Um, but that was a state of desperation where I would have tried anything, and yeah. I was on I was on immunosuppressants, which I don't think were even on. I had to sign a waiver for them. So I was on drugs that were so strong that I had to have blood tests every four to six weeks, I think, because it was so, such an effect on your liver and kidneys. Yeah. Um, and it was a horrible, horrible time. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, so when I'm sort of coming into the gym at Virtus and you're in this really positive place and being able to do it and having the freedom to that is just huge for me because I've spent years of my life head to toe bandaged and I've spent years of my life um, uh, having no social existence because anyone who's yeah. had you know severe acne or or had some sort of physical ailment which affects your ability to socialise will know what I'm talking about. Um, when you know that you just are constantly self conscious, uh, and that's the thing that really is discussed a lot more these days yeah you know whether it's obesity or god knows how many other issues um it just plays a huge huge effect on your um development as a person so i feel like i really had a lot of catching up to do at 24 25 and then i I feel like i had like a renaissance at 24 25 (laughs) post my surgery my tumor my life changed dramatically talk talk to me through the that diagnosis in the i guess the process that you went through in getting in hospital and realizing you had a tumor and mm. the diagnosis and then the prognosis and then well here's a great lesson for people and that's particularly um whether it's stereotypical or not um i had pain in my hip for probably over a year so i thought that i had an injury from um kicking from like throwing kicks with kickboxing and i'd torn my um i i thought i'd torn my groin so, like a stupid, uh, I don't know, person who just doesn't look after themselves, I just left it. And it got to the point where I keep twinging my hip and have this amazingly bad pain. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, it's just a torn muscle. It's taking a long time. When it got to the point where I could barely walk, it was the point where I saw a physio. Probably should go see someone, yeah. <laughs> so... I laugh, but um, it's just a lesson for anyone, and I tell a lot of people this. You, you know, you really need to look after yourself. You, there's obviously a balance between being a hypochondriac and um, being completely reckless. Yeah. Uh, but you need to listen to your body. You need when to listen to change, you. and it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Or it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Listen and when it. it's consistently not getting better, that's when, and you're a young person. Yeah. That's when you really need to seek professional help. And it took a long time for me to be properly diagnosed. So I'll start from the start. I saw a physio, yeah. um, and said I've got this pain in my hip, and so my hip flexors and all the muscles and my glutes and stuff had got yeah. super tight trying yeah. to protect. Uh, me hitting that tumor. Yeah. Uh, it was basically the tumor was rubbing on the inside of the hip, yeah. and then that, yeah. <laughs> that's when I'd find this. I felt like nerve-ending pain. Yeah. And I'd almost fall to the, the ground. Excruciating, Excru- yeah. excruciating pain. Um, and the recovery was again next level pain. I don't know how long we're talking for. <laughs> but um, so I saw a physio and had. Uh, six weeks of remarkable help. So I saw a really hands-on physio who was digging his thumb inches into my hip flexor 
and I felt better for weeks on end because yeah. he was loosening yeah. up all these muscles. Releasing the tension. Our body's got an amazing way of protecting whatever injury we've got. Mm. So I had tight everything around that area and he, he did a great job in, in making me feel better. Then I realized it was still hurting. So we thought we got an x-ray um, initially and it looked like I had a long crack in the femoral head. Yeah. So a bit peculiar, um, but they thought I had a, a crack there. And... Um, they weren't exactly sure what it was. So another two or three weeks went by. I got an MRI. Yeah. And um, when I got the MRI, the <laughs> the head of um, the the most senior physio, who's a, a really good um, operator in uh, Frankston, um, said, oh, you should see a doctor. <laughs> and essentially what I thought was just, you know, a crack in yeah. my bone. Uh, within, I think it was a really pivotal moment. I came from my doctors and, they, and as soon as I drove out of the doctors, they called me up as soon as they had the result. And I even remember a really key moment that sticks in my memory. When I had the MRI, um, the worried, uh, genuine worried look on the face of the, the people who had just done. And I'm not imagining that, but as I sort of limped away yeah. and looked at them I, I, I genuinely felt like they're looking at me like that guy should be having treatment straight away Yeah. so I was told uh, they called me up my doctor and said you shouldn't be walking if you continue to walk you could snap your Lemma. femur that's, yeah that's crazy so I was walking on a femur that could essentially snap at in any, half any moment. at any moment because I'm not a light guy as well well over well you know thick and, into, the 90, thick and juicy, into 90 kilos muscly. so it was a wheelchair from then on for the next few months or yeah. not few months but um not walking for a few months after that and lucky to be uh walking really um because i have uh one of the was lucky enough to uh once i got the news I initially got the drastic news from one doctor at Frankston Hospital who said, look, if this is, you know, uh, an aggressive cancer, um, you're in essentially big trouble, uh, need to be removed ASAP. Yeah. And c- considering the size, uh, if this is later stage, um, you know, you're in big trouble essentially. And that, that was the moment where with my mother, who I'm very close with, <laughs> we had a, a moment to ourselves and we'd been through so much shit together. Yeah. So many times I'd had, you know, times in hospital together, operations and, you know, a long history together of dealing with that stuff. Yeah, yeah we had a, a hard moment and it was a real realisation between two people where we're like, God, we're going to go through all this, all this shit again together. Yeah. So um, thank God it was not... Um, aggressive and it was um, you know be able to be taken out by one of the best surgeons not just in Australia but in the southern hemisphere and is at the forefront of um, new technology and rebuilding people and their their bones and he's been on the news many times for his uh, pioneering work with rebuilding people's uh, joints and and all sorts of things so I have a titanium rod uh, down my leg many titanium screws down my femur I was, uh, I've got about a 40 centimeter deep scar from the top of my glutes all the way down to the bottom of my thigh. Yeah. And um, very invasive surgery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it looks like I've been hacked away out pretty much because you've got so much Avocado, muscle. Avocado, yeah. Essentially. 
there was no time for a uh, keyhole or anything like that. It was yeah, just open me up as wide as possible and get every yeah, bit of tumour so you could. Um, and thankfully, I was a recipient of um, a donor. So, again, um, you know, when you're, it's an interesting, it's a really enlightening thing being in, in any capacity, yeah. being a recipient of a donor. It just feels, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It feels amazing and um, definitely makes you want to give back, definitely makes you want to do something because your life has essentially been... Uh, Saved for the better term. Yeah, I mean, like, mine, isn't, mine isn't a heart. It's not an extreme yeah. case. But as I said, even in the smallest of cases, to think that someone's thought process infinitely uh, made your life better and they yeah. don't know you, it's, it's a really heartwarming feeling. Um, so I got um, donated bone, which essentially was used as like a paste, and then your your bone will grow with it yeah. um, to, to grow back faster and, and more yeah. in a normal fashion. So, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. What was the timeline between going, well, this is this, if this is a fast-growing cancer, you could be in trouble, to knowing, to finding out that it was benign and... I had a good amount of time and I think that few days or maybe that five days or so when I had my consultation with the surgeon and thank God I was able to be in a place where in Australia that we have this, you know, ability because if the situation was different, I probably, God knows what would have happened. Um, There was about a few days, I remember. Those few days were probably... I've had many rough times physically, but those those days were just not knowing up, up there, yeah, that'd be, up there. That'd be pretty, yeah, that'd be horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they they were pretty tough times. Um, but once I sort of was discussing my procedure with my surgeon, I felt a fair amount of confidence yeah. to be honest, because um, because of that person's reputation. I, I remember reading um, feedback about um, his name is Professor it was Professor Chung. Um, Shout out. Shout out to <laughs> Professor Chung. If you look on the equivalent of urban scalpel, um, there's literally <laughs> there's literally dozens and who could be bothered really like how many people write reviews of surgeons, surgeons yeah. or doctors? They just sort of go on their way. Yeah. The amount of people saying this person saved my life, this person's changed my life. This is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. To know that I had all those reviews from God knows how many people, and many of the reviews were saying Oh, I've been turned away from surgeons. I've been turned away from doctors, and this man has made me walk again. It's amazing. I felt obviously a so lot more yeah, confident yeah, that I had that person, um, uh, you know, performing surgery on me. So yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember coming with Dan and visiting mm. you like after, and you were mm. you're in pretty good spirits mm. because it was like I guess a touch and go there for a little while, not knowing what what it was and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. So it was um, a very fortunate result. Mm. For considering, considering, but then obviously you got you had to dive into rehab, which was very tough, especially yeah. the first few days of rehab. Like the first few days out of the operation, are perfectly fine because you're so drugged up, you don't really care, yeah. nor do you feel much. Um, yeah. But yeah, rehab was pretty rough the first couple of weeks. Standing up for the first time, getting the physio to put um, you on a board that was the most up there with the most excruciating pain I've ever had. In terms of um, 
you know, doing this with your legs. I'm trying to think of what that is. Like sliding. Abduction, mate. Abduction. <laughs> abduction on a board. Taking your leg away from your body. Yeah. yeah. Abduction was just phenomenal pain. I've never felt anything like that in my life. Yeah. It felt like I was literally being, I hate to make this expression because I'm sure a lot of women would <laughs> but I felt like I was being literally ripped in half. It felt that excruciating yeah. from that position. Um <laughs> And then the, the other worst pain I had before that was um, getting the biopsy. So yeah. they had a, um, a camera pointed, I'm not, uh, what am I saying the wrong thing? X-ray guided biopsy with yeah. a, a- Take out a big chunk of muscle tissue. A, a, a mofo. Oh, a mofo. That's, yeah, a needle. scary. <laughs> a needle, a needle that you, so I've, a needle that yeah, you don't ever want to see going to another person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, having that go through my hip and the, the bone and the muscle and then um, I was just <laughs> in absolute sweet agony yeah. it's uh, something I, uh, I fingers crossed I'll never have to experience yeah. that another one is, that was not fun was when um, uh, a memory is having a spinal tap is not fun either I think it depends yeah. more on how good the person is that's taking it from you but my yeah. spinal tap was not nice which was uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was shit house. Yeah, I, um, shit house. I, I'll I'll watch any video of like thing like a knee reconstruction or a hip hip reco or anything. I'll yeah. watch that and not have an issue. Mm. But as soon as you start talking about it, describing it, my mind just goes wild. And it's like <laughs> even like injuries like dislocated shoulder. People start talking about that. I'm like nah. Even yeah. Like, but I, I've not worse, but. I feel more grossed out by people talking about injuries than mm. I do when I injure myself. Yeah, yeah. Which that is makes a strange sense. one. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So rehab took it took a little while and you, but you know, how how far are we post now? I what, um, how long ago was it? 2013, so, so it's four, four years. years. Yeah. yeah. Four and a bit years. Yeah. And I'm still finding my way really. Yeah. Well, there's still so, days where you're a little bit wobbly on that side or you're not yeah. moving as well, but still still struggle. The strength stuff. like it's now it's a, it's strong. It's yeah. a strong side now. Yeah. You got a strong side and a stronger side. Yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> for certain um, exercises, it is. Um, and when you've had really invasive surgery, you know, it's much like the chronic illness. It makes you a stronger person. You have to be accountable to yourself. You can't be reckless. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you have you to. You sit down for five days in a row, you're not going to move very well. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, you, you, it keeps you going, um, and you have to be accountable, essentially. You have yeah. to look after yourself. That's really what comes out of it. Because yeah. um, it'll never be the way it was, but it, it's it's always good to try and um, see how good you can get it, and that's motivating. So, yeah. what what role did your family play in that process? Um, Obviously, you've talked about you've talked about your mum a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this is a bit personal. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked. Uh, mum was good. Yeah. Um, I. I didn't really have a partner at the time. It's funny, post that, that, that was great timing. I'd had a seven-year relationship that I finished in March and I had the pain then. And then I had uh, the surgery, I think, in May. So that was really interesting timing. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting timing. Uh, yeah, so um, the biggest thing, and I think this comes to why we're sitting here today, uh, when you're again, having a, a shit time and you're not able to properly offer much to people yeah. is when you really can tell who is someone who's deep enough to be your friend or stand by you or help you out yeah. that knows that you're not actually acting or performing in a particular way. 
um, because you're dealing with a terrible situation. Yeah. You can't actually be yourself or be worth much in the uh, material sense, yeah, or the, the basic level sense. And there's friends that, it's funny, there's a few friends that I'm really close to now, um, yourself included, who came out of, not the woodwork, but we're on that sort of, I don't know if platonics were, but they're sort of that yeah, second that. level of friendship yeah. that just stood up and came to see me and called me and saw how it was. You, yeah. And I found a lot of the people who just, you know, weren't really there, but were at the time you would call closer friends, yeah. fell by the wayside. Yeah. And um, it's, I've only just realized this now, between you and I can think of two others, three others actually, that I talk to regularly now. Um, really surprised me in showing support, asking me how I was, mm. just basic stuff coming to. It visit. doesn't take that like it doesn't, it doesn't take that much. Like yeah. it's just. But it reveals a lot of character, especially in 2017 when there's a million. Uh, we're seemingly a more narcissistic uh, society. Yeah, and, that's true. Um, those things just seem to you know so many friendships are just based on. Uh, mutual benefit and, and ease, yeah. right? Yeah, just definitely. just ease of use rather than actual effort. Well, last week's podcast, I talked with Palsy, and he was saying yeah. that as he's getting older, mm. he's realizing that he wants to meet less people. Yeah, but put more but effort, put more into effort into the people he's, he really cares about, which I think once important. you get into sort of mid to late twenties, yeah, a lot of people come to that realization. You've got less friends, and you realize that even those smaller group of friends, they're not just going to hang around. Both yeah. parties need to put in effort. Yeah, 100%. Um, it doesn't have to be work, but if there's not a genuine motivation deep down to help that person out, um, share things with that person, then it's not going to... Like yeah. any relationship, it's not going to stay strong. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And yeah. I think you, they don't have to be the people that you see every day. Yeah. But you kind of know. Mm. You've, got a, you've got a fair idea. And people inter- that will be around mm. no matter what. And it's interesting being in that shit situation with rehab. I had one old friend which came back into my life who was genuinely interested to see how I was and now we're much closer friends. Yeah. And I had, as I said, three other friends which I was that I became much closer with because they actually showed yeah. effort and care. And then I thought years later down the track, I'm like, wow, I should really live up to that. When they're in that shit situation, I'm also having that now with one of my friends who's in a really shit situation. Yeah. And I can relate to them because I've been there. So... All yeah, good. You do it because um, you genuinely give a shit rather yeah. than just All because you lessons. can benefit. All right, mm. I've got a bunch of questions for you. All right, I'll try <coughs> and I want you I feel to feel like I've rambled too much. That's the whole point of a podcast. I, I guess think. so. Um, even if we're the only people who listen to it. That's all right. All right, I've got a bunch of random questions. I just want you to answer with the first thing that comes into your into your head. No problem. What is your philosophy? Oh. <laughs> My philosophy is. It's really just balance. I I talk about balance a lot. What is balance to you? Because I have this argument with a lot of people. I hate the term balance. Balance is, I guess, different for everyone. But I yeah. guess there's a period where you should. I think there's a period where, it's, for me, balance is there's a period where you can really lock yourself away and work. There's a period where you should just focus on purely someone else. Yeah. There's a period where you should, like, I just had a the most brilliant, fantastic holiday I've ever had, and I hate to be that that person who says that, but I just had a, the most amazing holidays, a period for that. Um, so there's a period where I think you should be... Knowing what you, what you want and just doing it. Like, yeah. That's yeah. a really good, really good example and, of that. And balance. sometimes 
also all of that thrown out the window. So you need to be there for someone, then whatever you want, it can be put on hold. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Because I, like I think a lot of people think balance is, and this is my kind of perception of balance. Oh, if I look up, if I do what I want 50% of the time and work 50% of the time, then I'll have balance. Yeah. And it's just like, no, it doesn't exist. Yeah. What are you grateful for? Oh, every short answer. <laughs> every life. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very short. Basically, grateful for um, health, the people around me, um, my freedom. I'm grateful for my freedom. I have more yeah. freedom than not just most people around the world, but even most people my yeah. age. So, yeah. um, my health, the, the people around me, and my freedom, essentially. Why do you love to travel? Um, it just is massively stimulating. And I just love going to, I mean, I have <laughs> traveled a fair bit, but I hate to be maybe narrow-minded, but I have a real interest in, in multiple European cultures. Um, I love many countries and their history in Europe, and I've been to about now 22 countries and awesome. been four times. So, um, yeah, I just love new areas, whether it's, gothic architecture and museums which I love or travelling to you know countrysides that are just completely different to Australia um, yeah. yeah it's just my interest I hate to be it's not that I yeah the outback doesn't interest me too much <laughs> I hate to be uh, like it's not Go because north, it's amazing. I'm sure it is I have yeah. been north yeah. um, and I have been to the centre of Australia and stuff but yeah, yeah. Just I prefer a lush green forest in the UK or yeah, a lush green mountains in, um, you know, Sweden or something like that rather than the outback. It's just a preference. It doesn't mean that I think it's bad. If you could travel <laughs> to anywhere on earth right now that you haven't been, where would it be? What's next? I am planning to go to Russia and more of Eastern Europe, Serbia awesome. and Russia, which I haven't been to before. Yeah. I would like to see... Yeah, some of the, the the wildlife. There's a lot of like forest and rainfalls, yeah. rainfalls, rainfalls, rain, uh, rainforest. Otherwise known as yeah, um, <laughs> waterfalls, <laughs> waterfalls, gotcha, gotcha. rainforest. Yes, in uh, in that part of the world that I'd like to see. Hopefully, yeah. you won't get eaten by a bear. Um, but yeah, that's something that I haven't done yet that I'd like to do. Be eaten by a bear or go to Russia? Uh, both. Yeah, oh, yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. What is success to you? I think success is just, I mean, success is all down to perception, really. So, but for me, I perceive success is consistently, um, even if it's minute, just improving on the everyday. Um, and even no matter the scale, because you can start from any level, yeah. no matter the scale, at least improving and attempting to improve. Or, and when I say improve, it doesn't have to always be yourself. It can be attempting to improve someone else's life or some other facet of society or something like that. I like it. So, yeah. If you could give teenage you one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, oh, geez. I think my teenage self. Oh, be less judgmental. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking lately. Be, uh, I was a, from the age of 12, I hit puberty yeah. and I was really pissed off about my shit situation with my health. Yeah. And I became a very self-aware and mature 12 year old, but very uh, judgmental of other kids that were following the trends and that yeah. were the cool kids and the bullies and all that sort of stuff. I got so caught up in that for probably till I was eight, <laughs> like God knows what age. Um, and there was this real battle in my mind about 
those those other kids and stuff and I think I needed to just take a deep breath and yeah. relax and just be less judgmental be more social and um, yeah Good. that's what I'd suggest awesome <laughs> what was the last book you read start to finish and what did you learn from it uh, the last book I read start to finish was actually Blade Runner which nice. well, oh sorry that's a, a, a nerd faux pas it's uh, <laughs> it's so Philip K. Dick D. It's the, the small book which is um, the motivation for the original Blade Runner, which is um, which I'm going to watch tonight or tomorrow. I think after yeah. that conversation before. Yeah, which is really good. And a bunch uh, of other conversations. What's that everyone keeps pushing it. What did I learn from it? I guess uh, I learned that I guess the psychological period in the '60s there was really took over especially the US and probably Australia that impending doom of USSR versus the US and the fact that um, the future looked pretty bleak and you know I think around the same time 1984 was written so you can imagine how much influence there was in society about you know things can turn to shit at any moment yeah. everything we know can be turned to rubble and there's going to be nuclear fallout and there's going to be <laughs> yeah. a post-apocalyptic society and the, the world in 50 or 60 years is going to look like this war zone between um, two forces and nothing much else is going to exist. And the everyday lifestyle is going to be bleak, really bleak, you know? I like so, it. So, yeah, that's what I learned from it. Are we still at that stage? <laughs> is the world still that cooked? <laughs> no. Or are we going to be okay? No, no. Uh, who knows? But I think um, I think they had a very bleak view of it. Yeah. I guess because they looked at how much propaganda and how much warmongering was happening um, with the Vietnam War and the Korean yeah. War and um, this mad mutually assured destruction situation and how much fear the uh, both uh, governments or one party and government were putting on their people of impending war and a nuclear war, so yeah. uh, things turned out much better than they thought. Oh, I think yeah, for most for most people. For most part. <laughs> What's the nicest thing you've ever done for someone? Mm. <laughs> as soon as you ask that, I said, "God, I should be doing so much more. <laughs> I should be doing so many more nice things." Oh, I you know I'll probably think of something two hours from now. I don't know. Radio silence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't think of one. One thing just doesn't stand out. I mean, I've done nice things for my girlfriend. Um, and I say that because not it wasn't the magnitude of them. My, my, my partner at the moment is a person who has not had many really momentous nice things happen for them or happen to them or yep. been given to them so the efforts that I've put in have been worth 10 times more than most others because this yep. person's not used to being spoiled or used to being given lots of compliments or used to being treated in a nice fluffy manner that so many of us lucky Aussies millennials yep. have been treated like so I would say some of the things I've done for that person are some of the nicest. Um, and I can see that by their reaction and by their life experience yeah, awesome. that they've had. Good. So I'd say that, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Shout out to me. Mm. Who are your biggest influences? Mm. At the moment. Currently? Mm. 
I mean, there's some there's some hero fund man. It's pretty sounds mundane. Some some fund <laughs> managers. There's some fund managers that are that are good influences. Yeah. Um, so they're like the stars of the people who do what I do, but in a much grander, uh, one million times the size and importance and. Um, yeah, so there's some of those. Um, yeah, at the moment, the influences, I don't know. Um, I've got, I mean, I've had many influences over my life, but yeah. at the moment, they play a big part. Obviously, my, my, obviously my, my girlfriend and my family play a big influence, but yeah, they don't play such an influence in I'm very independent at the moment, at this point in my life, yeah. so Good. yeah. <laughs> if you could be remembered in one sentence, what would it be? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of a sentence. This is this is too this is too Instagram for me. What? <laughs> it's like when oh, I was, you got go Twitter. You got one hundred and forty characters. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, anything? How can you say anything that doesn't sound cheesy? You can't. That's yeah. why I like this question. Mm. I'm sticking, mate. We I'm sorry. Have... <laughs> I've got nothing. Right. I really don't have much for you. I mean, just... Uh, I mean, most people, I guess, have just wanted to be remembered as someone who was had some empathy um, and cared and was a positive influence rather than a negative influence. Good. Uh, Not much more. Than that. Nothing wrong with that. Last couple, couple of favourites, favourite movie. That's so hard. For First thing that comes I like a lot of movies. Ah, I, <laughs> uh, I love Godfather One, and um, that's such a woggy thing to say, <laughs> right? It's it, it, but it's an amazing movie because I, I, like, I, I know so many people of different backgrounds and ages that love it for different reasons whether it's and it's not about being a gangster none of those reasons have to do with being some yeah. tough guy gangster it's all about setting a scene it's about storytelling it's about acting it's about character development it's got nothing to do with yeah. oh I'm a cool guy in a suit and I have power over people and I <laughs> hurt people and stuff like that so that's why I like it good answer favourite recording artist Um, or band or group uh, I have so many just pick one <laughs> uh, yeah Nirvana's a huge influence when I was a kid because yeah. I, I listened to Nirvana um, hate to be that guy but before it was cool cool <laughs> because when I was a little kid I was my best friend um, his dad would listen to all sorts of cool music like The Doors and um, Nirvana and all these and Black Sabbath and all these cool bands so when I was even you know eight years old which was when they were he'd only just passed away um, we were listening to that in the car all the time and my friend's dad had all their albums so I was listening to it so that just stuck in my memory and it was right in there it wasn't like I hit puberty and started listening to it. it was literally eight years old I was listening to Riders on the Storm and I was listening to um, yeah Black Sabbath and, and, and Nirvana and stuff so that's a cool memory mm. last one final piece of audio for today yeah a little bit of wisdom for, wisdom for everyone what's your mm. favourite quote 
Oh, you know, one of my favourite quotes is probably one by Aristotle. I'm trying to think of... Um, is it uh, the Aristotle's quote about um, entertaining... You probably know the one I'm talking about. I do like a quote. Yeah. Although I love your recent favourite quote, which I actually shared with someone the other day, that um, comparison is the thief of joy. That's such a great quote. So simple. <laughs> so simple. And it's so 2017. It, it is so 2017 because comparison <laughs> oh God, is... that's so 2017. It, it is. Because comparison is just such a, such a thief, you know. Uh, it is the market of educated minds to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And that's what I try and do all the time. Good. Too many people can't just disagree with you and move on. They have to fight you in the comment section of <laughs> social media and go bananas and call you a, a cuck or call you a something <laughs> or, or a left heart or whatever thing it is. It's just, God, people can't disagree anymore. Yeah, I they love have that. To, they have to ride in the streets. Like, yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. Good. And on that note... All right, you legendary humans, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review the podcast. That's how we get more people seeing it and more people around it. If you didn't enjoy it, please rate and review the podcast and say some very nice things. Uh, Lie through your teeth. I don't mind. Uh, If you would like other people to see it, please share it. Uh, Please subscribe. Uh, We've got some pretty cool, exciting guests coming up um, over the next couple of weeks. If you... Want to learn more about Virtus? Jump on www.virtusperformance.com. Uh, follow us on all the social medias. You've got YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and yeah. If you have any questions for me, or want any, want to give any feedback um, for the podcast, or want to suggest any topics or people to speak to, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, shoot me an email at info@virtusperformance.com. Have a great day. See you later.